Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. We are recording live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast. We invite anyone listening to this as a podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts. We also invite feedback through our email address at ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, everyone. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Hey, Jody. Hey, Steve. Hey, Mike and Ed. So I am not doing what somebody did before we got on live, which was to say good afternoon and then split us up by gender and ages, et cetera, because I want to be politically correct. And I know we started a short conversation about that. So I had to mention one of the more interesting stories about cancel culture. Um, Let's see. This is a redstate.com article. And scientific groups no longer want to refer to the gypsy moth as a gypsy because people are being insulted because it has the word gypsy. So the the level of ridiculousness, and like I said before, my doctor yesterday was afraid to use the word oriental, even though I believe oriental means Eastern, does it not? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think it's merely a synonym for coming from the East. So, but I think the gypsy moth is a good way to kick it off. And um, Jody, if anyone wants to comment and then we'll get a little more seriously into the whole free speech business. Oh my gosh. So look, if we're going to get in, I don't, I don't want to get into using, you know, everybody being insulted, but you know, what's really insulting being called a racist, being called a domestic terrorist, uh, what are what are some the many other things that you know we're called insurrectionist and, white I mean, supremacist? Really, okay, actually, truly, really, really strongly offensive words. These people are all for using these horrifyingly offensive words, except for things like gypsy moss moth. I, I don't know. It's just it's such. Um, a sign of the crazy times we live in and the uber hypocrisy. And I don't think it's a hypocrisy. I think it's lack, lack of internal dialogue and introspection. And there's no thought about whether or not there's logical inconsistency. They're just, we'll do what we want today. We'll think how we think today. We'll feel how we feel today. And tomorrow, if it changes, oh, well. I don't know. It's crazy madness. Well, it's not as hypocrisy. You, as they, they will use any weapon that they have at their disposal against us. Give me yeah. one second, Ed. As a Jew, I'm triggered by the word Uber for obvious reasons. <laughs> so we need a better word. Now go ahead, Ed. No, I just said that it's it's not hypocrisy. It's they are consistent about using any weapon at their disposal to right. try and hurt us. Yeah. No, and I know. I've had enough words or finance or money or or cancel culture, whatever it is, they will use any weapon at their disposal to try and hurt us. Um, And they are consistent about that. And they will also consistently insist that we unilaterally disarm, no matter what our defense is, even if our defense is just verbal jousting back, we're not allowed to use words, we're not allowed to call them names, we're not allowed, you know, forget about being able to use a, a, a real weapon like a gun, Right. We are not allowed to even speak words that we want to use that that we think are are 
correspond to truth and, and are, are factual. Uh, they are consistent about using any weapon that they have at their disposal and demanding that we unilaterally lay down any weapon that we might have at our disposal. Right, so I, I totally agree. I'm just saying, uh, logically, from a reasoned intellectual perspective, that behavior coincides with what we know to be hypocrisy. Those behave, the inconsistent, good for me, not good for you. See, but, I don't you know, see it those, as hypocrisy. That, that intellectual is hypocrisy. They're, they're pathological. Well, oh, okay, but I'm saying that behavior of misapplying actions, these actions are okay for me, but not for thee. That is quintessential hypocrisy. I get what you're saying that hypocrisy, I think what you're saying, hypocrisy isn't really quite a strong enough word because it is a little bit more nefarious than just being hypocr hypocrites. If I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm saying just from the from what we understand hypocrisy to be from an action perspective, it is hypocrisy, but I get what you're saying. It's like it's deeper it's than like a that. Criminal. It's more nefarious I, I mean, than that. If a criminal steals money from you and kills his victim, he still expects that he can he can put his money put the, his stolen money in the bank and it'll be protected and that he won't be murdered by the next person right and and you can say that's hypocrisy but it's really just the pathology of the criminal mind i agree i've had enough conversations with people on the left to understand that hypocrisy has no there it, it, it's almost like they don't care. You're right. It's, it, it's, 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 there's something bizarre in there where hypocrisy is utterly irrelevant in their world. It is more nefarious than that, but. Well, there's a reason why they're trying to mainstream mental illness and insanity because they are crazy. Right. No, I don't, I don't. So Ed, you, you had alluded to before this idea, I think the way I understood you in my short lifetime, I was raised on sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And in my lifetime, within the last two decades, that has totally flipped on its head to we have to be triggered by every word. So. Well, yeah, well, I mean, well, you know, as we, as we were discussing before we came on air, for the first time in American history, and, and I mean, dating even before the, the revolution and the Declaration of Independence, probably going back at least to the Zenger trial on libel, uh, where truth was, was as a defense to libel was established. Um, and that was 1734, if I'm not mistaken. For the first time in, in, our, in our history, since at least that date, cultural respect for, for the free flow of information and free speech is no longer a universal value. Uh, it used to be that we, we might disagree on a whole bunch of other ends. We might disagree on economics. We might disagree on communism versus capitalism. But we, we all agreed on the free flow of information and that, that, that light was the best disinfectant to, to false speech. And this is the first time in our history that we've got a substantial following of people that no longer respects that cultural value or even holds that cultural value. And politics follows from that. And that's why you've got uh, a censorship movement that's, that's you know, moving steadily. Um, how long it's gonna take before it's implemented at a, at a governmental level. I mean, we can argue about whether it's already being implemented at the government level, because I think there's some strong arguments that the social media companies are 
that they're state actors and they're already acting at, be at the behest of the government to impose censorship. But uh, regardless, at some point, if the trend continues, it's not going to be a question of state actors or you know private actors that are state actors. It's just going to be a, a legislation that's going to be passed by Congress or by states. So I think, Ed, the point I like that you made, because we've talked about the state actor and the government censoring, I think that the great part of your point is how radically the culture has changed, forgetting the politics. To me, nothing was more un-American than shutting down someone's speech. And mm -hmm. I remember, you know, living overseas. I remember the first time I went to England and I was told they had a speaker's corner. And that meant that you could say anything you want to say. And I'm like, what? You mean you can't say anything you want to say anytime, anyplace? That was literally un-American. Be like stepping on the flag. And that literally has changed. And that's why I think your point is, is such a great point. And is that because of education? How did that happen culturally? Forget the government. <laughs> well, I mean, how it happened was uh, Herbert Marcuse in the 60s, right? I mean, he's the one who started this uh, idea that you can't tolerate the intolerant and you must be for free speech um, when you're in the when you're weak but then clamp down on when you're strong so I mean that's you know that he was the primary sort of intellectual um, leader of the um, of the new left and uh, now that the new left has basically taken over the country um, this is the payoff so my understanding is that that seeped down from the colleges to the teachers to the schools, right? Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, certainly that played a role, but I, again, I, I'm more of the opinion that um, this article that I pointed out the other day, that it actually seeped from the mentally ill on social media um, up through uh, the social media realm. And um, I think the person who wrote that article uh, about the influence of Tumblr on cancel culture and, and, and censorship um, had a real point that it was a, a very much the, I don't know whether you guys have ever been, you know, to um, certain foreign countries. I've been to two and uh, that, uh, follow this, uh, Turkey and Haiti. And when you go there and you're trying to look at a, a market, they're just all over you in both countries. They're going to do whatever they need to, to get you to buy. They're going to talk to you. They're going to grab you. They're going to not let you go. There's all this. And they're counting on the, effa the fact that Americans don't like to be rude. Let's be honest. I mean, for all the talk of the ugly Americans, Americans are quite nice people and they don't want to be rude. And so they're going to make you be rude to get away from them. That's what you have to do. You have to be rude um, to get away from them. And I think the uh, the American, the basic American sense is not to be rude to people. And so when someone says, hey, you're being rude by saying this, I think there is a, um, a general feeling among Americans. So it's like, oh, it's like, oh I, I won't say that anymore. And then so I think when you get these kind of really very disturbed people on social media saying, um, you know, uh, don't say X, whether it's, you know, Oriental or Gypsy Moth or whatever, of course, those are late stage, but in the early stage, it was it was other things. Um, 
the natural American response was, well, if that's rude, we won't, we won't say it. And it sort of went completely out of control uh, from there. Yeah, I tend to agree with that sentiment. I, I think um, domestically, the, the left tries to take advantage of our goodwill on the right as well. We, I think we're, we tend to think of ourselves as good people. We don't want to offend anybody either, in a sense. We want to, you know, we're nice people. <laughs> but I think they take advantage of that. I think that the seeds for this have been planted for a long time. We've had political correctness for a long time. Um, with the rise of social media and how important it's become in our political discourse. And to have these people um, like Jack Dorsey, uh, to be in such control of it, um, uh, yeah, I think it, it, you know, clearly, obviously, it has a major impact. But I, I think it also gives voice gives voice to a lot of these fringe elements in our society, and it does bubble up from there. Because uh, I mean, sometimes I sit here and I think, where the hell is all this stuff coming from? That we, you know, we can't say certain things, we can't do th- certain things. Uh, I, I I don't know if it's coming from some boardroom somewhere. Uh, from these woke corporations, I tend to think that they're their followers, right? Yeah, I, I think they're reacting to some of these crazy fringe elements that social media has allowed to be heard. I think even, it's coming even, from where I said before. I mean, we're, we're at war with the left. That's not hyperbole, in my opinion. It, I think it's we're we're at war with them, and they are willing to use any yeah. weapon against us that they can, and that's what's going on. The end justifies the means. It's simple as that. It doesn't matter if they're inconsistency in their thoughts and ideas. All that matters is what their end game is. And that's yeah, I mean, what's the inconsistency? Their, their goal is to destroy us. Yeah. No. They're consistent in their inconsistency in that sense. Yeah, I, I think they do just basically want to, uh, you know, by any means necessary, as the leftist group calls itself. Um, you right. know, one of the differences, I believe, between us and Europe Europe had lots of freedoms, but free speech was a decidedly American thing at a very visceral level. And that's why I'm so intrigued by your point that we've lost that which made us America and not Western Europe to a very big extent is we could say absolutely anything. I still believe we're the only country in the world that can rip the leader of the state and not have any um, legal issue whatsoever. And Israel you get arrested for that. Well, I don't think we've lost it entirely. I think I think it's only part of the culture that's lost it, and it's the part that's captured by the left. I think on the right, there's a pretty robust support for free speech, even to the point where people on the right are hesitant to try and shut down the left, even while knowing that the left is trying to destroy us. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that there's a really robust support for free speech on the right side of the political aisle, but... Um, but like you are, pointed out, Ed, on the left side, they used to agree on that and they've captured that. They've taken it away from them. But what have, right. And what is the left today? It's an importation of, of European philosophy, uh-huh. European communism and socialism. Yeah. Uh, that, those aren't American ideas to the extent we had, you know, any kind of socialist ideas in America, you know, things like, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, Robert Owen and, and other, you know, socialist endeavors here, they all failed and receded into the, into history very quickly. Um, it, it's only because of the importation of ideas from Europe that, uh, that, that we have socialism in America today. 
So now we're dealing with the story out this week that the DNC, Democrats, maybe Biden, et cetera, want to um, monitor, censor, whatever, text messages because of the COVID vaccine that even if we text somebody about it. So yes, we on the right are up in arms and there's been a, a decent amount of backlash in some places, but 30, 40 years ago, the left would have been outraged by it. And they're like, yeah, great idea. Let's shut everybody no. up on the text messages. One year ago, the left would have been outraged by it if Trump were the one doing it. Oh, if Trump were the one doing it. But <laughs> I mean, the idea you know, of breaking our privacy and telling us what we can't say. And we've gone so far that forget what we put up on Facebook and Twitter and everything else, text messages. That's a whole new level. It's very scary. Absolutely. It's a whole new level. And to me, the, the biggest story to me, the biggest story on that is where is any Republican demanding hearing congressional hearings? Where is any Republican saying this will not stand? Vote Republican next year and this will end and we will fight it t starting today. I mean, the Republican Party is just so weak and neutered. You know, even when they're handed issues on a silver platter, they don't fight for them and they don't use them. You know, they don't even need to wait for the left to insist that they lay down their weapons. They lay them down preemptively. Right. So I can I can name two Republicans right now. Let's see if anybody can name more. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. Can anyone name anybody else who opens their mouth? Rand Paul. Yeah, Rand Paul's done or some COVID stuff. more, but. But people who just talk simple common sense, it's gone. I mean, you've said many times that, um, that the Republican Party is totally missing in action. And you're right, even in this, you know, everybody probably saw this, the hullabaloo about that letter that, that Pennsylvania, I think he was a senator sent saying that Bill Barr shot him down and told him he's not allowed to investigate the election. And assuming that's true, that's just once again, the Republicans shooting themselves in the foot. That's how I look at that story. We are in the foot or shooting themselves in the head. Well, whichever one, um, depending which way they were standing, I guess. I mean, you know, obviously, Georgia was a Republican governor, Republican or well, Raffensperger will be secretary of state. It's if they're not causing harm, they're for sure not fighting the other side. And I think now we're kind of starting primary season. So you got like, for instance, Alan West primarying Abbott in Texas. And it'll be interesting to see if that gets any traction. You got Vernon Jones primarying Kemp. But this is the time where the grassroots need to kick out every one of these Republicans. Forget the Romneys and the Lynn Cheneys, even the, you know, the Mitch McConnells and McCarthy's and all of them. And I don't know that we'll ever get rid of them all. Amen. I, I don't, you know, I think that they're, you know, they're, they're all horrible people, but they're all horrible people who are um, going with the flow. And so I think that we don't actually have to get rid of all of them. We just have to change the narrative. Um, and I think, you know, programs like this and some of the other uh, more Uh, less corporate programs um, are helping to do that. I know um, the, the censorship is getting worse and worse, but as, as 
they tightened their grip on censorship on YouTube and on Twitter and whatnot, these other avenues for uh, reaching out are getting better, whether it's BitChute or Rumble or um, Odyssey yeah, or something like that. Yeah. And you get her. You know, Bongino last week, I go back and forth on Bongino. He's more conservative than I, and he's definitely not a peaceful separation guy, but he's been screaming lately. You are my enemy. I want nothing to do with you. Do not listen to my show. Do not move into my neighborhood. So he at least, and he apparently is the second biggest Facebook page in the country, one of the biggest podcasts in the country. And he at least is voicing the fact that we are enemies. Yeah. And do not get along. And I don't want you anywhere near me, which he's as mainstream as it gets, I think, for people saying that, that strongly. I, I was disappointed. I read something uh, earlier this year. I don't know whether it's true, like all things, um, that said some of these corporate uh, media ha came down and said something on the order of um, knock it off with the election being stolen. And whether and this, you know, occurred to Fox News, they don't talk about it that way anymore. Um, ben Shapiro was listed as he works for a company that apparently said that. And, you know, it's funny, he, he, I like Ben, but man, has he gone completely blue pilled on a bunch of weird issues like global warming and uh, election theft and a couple of other things. It's like, wait a minute, what, what happened to you? Um, and he's I think been, he's been 100% neutered article yeah, about a couple weird. of months ago. And, and money will do he's that. Making you know, a lot of money. He's got a lot of fame and he does not make any, uh, let's wear ripples, doesn't cause any ripples. Right. Very, very sad because he used to be a firebrand. Yeah, yeah. And then when we have firebrands, um, you know, they get uh, they get attacked by the establishment, whether it's Lauren Witzke and Nick Fuentes, uh, who uh, have been put on the no-fly list. The no-fly list. All they do is make videos. And, well, Lauren Witzke ran for Congress. Um, I mean, that's crazy. That's Which is why interesting, I, by the way. I'm not, I'm not as much a Tucker fan as I think some of you may be, but he seems, again, I don't listen to him regularly. He seems almost to be going the other way. You know, he's out on a limb on the NSA thing, even though it's probably true. And supposedly he had a show the other night where he actually talked about the election after six months. So it's almost like he's moving further to making trouble. And I find that kind of interesting. Yeah, I like that it, it, because... Um... He read that tweet storm from the person, I forget his name, uh, that we all read uh, about why conservatives are not, um, you know, why people on the right, which I guess includes libertarians as well, are very skeptical of the election results. And, and that, uh, that really nailed everything. Um, you know, his name, it turned out, was Daryl Cooper, and he was behind this um, viral thread under the name Martyr Maid. And it was very interesting um, that Tucker read the entire thread, one seven-minute segment de devoted to that thread um, on his show, which, you know, that's, that's really important because here's this guy, he had a few hundred followers, the tweet goes viral, and all of a sudden uh, the, the series of, 30 or so tweets go viral and all of a sudden Tucker's reading them on his show. I mean, that's, that's 
important. That sort of thing where a single person is just you know, sitting in his basement, as they say, um, can, can write something that everybody knows and then get picked up by one of the most important show, uh, television shows for normies, or at least write as normies. Um, that's, you know, maybe one of our shows gets picked up someday, you know? But I, I think it's interesting that Tucker seems to be bucking in the right direction, at least for the moment. And I always saw him as much more of a Ben Shapiro mainstreamer who didn't want to rock the boat. But I think he's moved a little bit off of that. I, I think he has FU money, and I think he's getting a lot of traction with his, um, with his, uh, you know, Fox Nation. I'm not a subscriber to Fox Nation, but I think I think uh, he's getting a lot of traction with that. Which is which sort of puts him a little bit independent of the Fox television show, even though they're under the same corporate umbrella. I, my guess is that Tucker is not long uh, for Fox, but they're caught between. Well, then I will have you no the opposite. To watch Fox because <laughs> he's the only reason I still tune in. Of course, I mean he, he said he's 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 there for good at this point like no 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 he'll be he said kind of the opposite which is i'm not going anywhere until fact, he's not you know it, uh, uh, well yeah he'll, that he'll is, be, his footprint fired. is only going to be bigger yeah he'll be fired and and that's because lachlan is you know a moderate but his wife is crazy and the wife is pushing him pushing him pushing him pushing him to make fox more um you know, more leftists. And he's going to have to decide whether he wants to split his billions with his wife or to give in. And I got to tell you, he's, he's not Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. He's not going to split his billions. So. So I want to move to Spain for a moment because we talked a little bit about we want to be like Europe. So I hope you all saw the article, Spain's highest court ruled lockdowns are unconstitutional. So I guess there's hope for America since some of our leftist judges like to look at Europe's laws. Maybe now that it's cool in Spain, maybe saw, wait, well, isn't Sotomayor no. the one who gives us the Spanish, uh, what do you call it? Well, what is it she said when she was put on the court? She said something about- a wise Latina? The wise Latina, thank you. So maybe now well, she can uh, borrow from Spain. I, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but I mean, look what happened to Sweden, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic when they were bucking the trends of, you know, what everybody else did. They didn't want to do mandated lockdowns and mandated masks. And the American left, which usually they would side with places like Sweden, all of a sudden Sweden is dumb and evil. So I'm wagering the American left is going to now look at Spain and say they're some sort of dumb and evil. No, I, I agree with you. I'm saying it tongue in cheek. And it, but it's yeah. very sad that it can happen in Spain. But again, in the freest country, I haven't seen our Supreme Court make such a ruling. I, yeah. I read the article. I didn't read the, the opinion. I don't know if it was linked to the article or not, but I, I wasn't as you know uplifted by the article as you seem to have been, Steve, because the article even says that if the if the government had declared some special situation it would have, they would have upheld the, the six, it was a, an 11 court ruling and it went six, five for the good guys. But the six that voted that it was unconstitutional under the Spain, Spanish law said that if they, if the government had declared some special situation, 
that they would have upheld the, the lockdown, but because they didn't, they, they won't. So they were giving them more of a blueprint for how to get it done next time. Yeah. Here's right. what you need to do next time. Right. Okay. Well, then I'm going back to 1492 and I have no interest in moving back to Spain. <laughs> so, we, we have a long uh, troubled history with them. I know some of you wanted to talk about the Cuba situation. We've talked about foreign policy before. So I'm curious in hearing everybody's opinion about what's going on, why now, and should we do anything and why or why not? So I'll well, I think that the, 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 the most important takeaway that I get from it, regardless of what ultimately happens, is that the Cuban people are, are, are flying American flags and using American symbols. And it's a total slap in the face to the to the leftists like Biden and, and, and Harris, who insists that we've lost moral legitimacy around the world. Yeah. You know, the Cuban people, the, the, the people of Hong Kong, anytime people are rallying for freedom, they're always looking to the United States of America. And that tells me that we haven't lost moral stature around the world, even with Trump, even with Bush, even with Obama, whoever has been president, we still have our moral standing in the world. So it's just another leftist canard that we have that we have to rehabilitate our image around the world um i think that what's going on um is you know i saw a story this morning i wasn't able to confirm it before we got on but i saw a story that uh the cuban goon squad is is starting to shoot children in order to try and force the parents into ending their de demonstrations um whether that's true or not, I'm, I'm struck by the almost total lack of support that Biden and Harris have given to the freedom fighters down in Cuba. I'm uh, not. For all the talk about, you know, protecting democracy and protecting freedom. They have virtually nothing to say about what's going on there. They have virtually no moral or economic or any or, or for that matter, military support. I mean, when it comes down to it, Cuba is not much more of a threat than Grenada was 30, 40 years ago. If we really want to help the Cuban people, it's within our power to do so. It's not the Chinese military. It's not the Chinese Navy. We could help them if they want, if we wanted to. Um, I, I firmly believe that every people has to fight for their own freedom and that freedom shouldn't be and can't be a welfare program. So I'm a little reluctant to, to send military support, uh, but at a, at a minimum, the president of the United States should have some have a lot of loud things to say about a freedom movement 90 miles from our shores. And the only thing I believe Biden said, I believe the only thing they're quoting Biden is having saying is that they will not welcome refugees from Cuba. So they want to take everybody else from everywhere around the world, but they don't want to take Cuban but not, refugees. But not from Cuba. I think we understand. I, I, th I thought we were racist for not wanting to take refugees. Yeah. Again, we go back to our previous discussion, right? Yeah. We all understand why there's a double standard. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like it, it's not like this is surprising to any of us. Um, I, I do think that the days of the Cuban Communist Party are kind of numbered. Uh, that which is why China is trying to intervene to prop them up. Um, the for whatever reason that is beyond me. Um, the Castro brothers had a certain cachet among the uh, 
Cuban people. And now that they're out of the picture, I think the regime doesn't have much left. But to take you back to another um, revolution back in 1991, um, when the Soviet Union was crumbling, that, um, wow, was that 30 years ago? That was. That That's was scary, 30 years ago next it month. Lies. Third, wow, how did that happen? 30 years ago next month. What was the response of President George H.W. Bush to the prospect of the Soviet Union crumbling? Anybody? Bueller? Anybody? Yes, he wanted to help them stay in one piece. He wanted to help them help the Soviet Union not crumble because that would be, quote unquote, destabilized. <laughs> and uh, he, he was all over the fact of, oh, we got to keep this from happening. And if you look, you know, if you remember, which I do, or you look at the news articles from the time, um, that is the establishment viewpoint, stasis. Everything stays the same. Well, was Our he wrong? Was he wrong? Was he wrong? Yes, he was wrong. We should have let was, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it destabilized things. Yeah, but it made it's a much it doesn't mean it doesn't mean a stable, peaceful it, place than it was before, in a sense. A lot of countries got independence and they're doing pretty well. R Russia is, you know, I mean, for all of Putin's, you know, corruption and chicanery and and being, you know, being evil and all of that. Russia is a pretty nice place now compared to before, right? It's not like it's, uh, it, it's not like it was before at all. So um, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's in anybody's interest to ha have the Soviet Union, you know, stay uh, unified. In fact, if Russia had broken up into its constituent republics, I think we'd all, all be better off. You know, without the Chechnyans and, and all of those non-Russian republics. Um, so there are politicians in Cuba, I think the mayor of Miami and some other ones, literally calling for military intervention on the part of America and Cuba. And that raises my libertarian hackles and my non-interventionist hackles, even though 30 years ago I would have said, let's go get up. I, I don't imagine any of us five would favor such a thing. I don't think we have the capability to do anything militarily in Cuba. I, I, I think we all um, think that there's some magic that we could do in Cuba that would change things. And I, I think that's not right. I think, I think we have, um, I mean, I suppose we could, in, you know, bomb Havana, invade Havana and, and you know, quote unquote, overthrow the government, but it'd be just the communists going into the hills just like it was in 1958. So I don't know whether, and then what are we gonna do? Occupy Cuba for the next 70 years? I, I think we ought to let the Cuban people, after all, the, the Cuban people will be ruthless with the communists, which is, which is what is needed. I mean, as Kurt Schlichter said, it's time for helicopter rides for communists down in Cuba. And that's-, that's It's time for needed. what? Kurt I didn't hear what you said there, Ed. Oh, Kurt Schlichter, the commentator, said it's it's time for helicopter rides for the communists. That's a stupid question. Go. I, I have a stupid question. So, does any do do we think? Do you guys think that when Americans were fighting the Revolutionary War, 
that we would have won unquestionably were it not for the, the help of the French. Do you think no, we still would have won? No. Okay, so I'm just saying maybe, maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that it's exactly the same, but sometimes, you know, maybe those people need that extra boost from someone outside to help them make it. Well, no, I Jody, think you're right. I, I think Jody, that, I think you're making a great point, but if I understand history, we had already declared independence and they were helping an independent um, entity fight against somebody else. Well, maybe the other thing was they independence, had, you know, maybe uh, there's a correlation in there. They are people trying to declare well no, they're, they're not using, trying to declare they're using independence. the word freedom. They're using the word freedom. The word we didn't use the, the word freedom. freedom. I don't know. Is it that different? Independence, freedom. To me, they're words that essentially mean the same thing. If you if you're not if you're dependent, you are not free. I, I think if we you are understand about the revolution. What happened, and that is the Americans had a victory in Boston, and then a bunch of terrible defeats from uh, you know Long Island all the way down through New Jersey and across into Pennsylvania. And it was only when they had a victory at Trenton and in Princeton that people in thought Saratoga. maybe these guys aren't crazy. And we started to attract the interest of the French. So my, my view on this is I think we ought to behave like Louis. And if they get a victory, if they can show that they can get some sort of victory, then we can back them with potentially money and arms. And remember, the French didn't intervene militarily until the exact decisive point, the, the final battle, Yorktown. That was the only that was the only time they intervened militarily, where everything was on the line at one point, they intervened, the war was won. And that's what that is a perfect example of what the United States should do in these. We should wait till the rebels have a victory. We should then back them with arms and money. And then when it comes to the decisive battle, yeah, go in and do it. Okay. Not at the beginning. Okay, but let me just, just, just a distinction being these, these rebels, um, you know, unlike the American rebel, rebels, were on a different continent from the bulk of who they were fighting. These are people fighting their own government on in their own small island. I'm just, I mean, I hope it happens, but I feel like the, um, it's not on their side. And so their likelihood of having even a small victory is much smaller for the Cuban rebels than it was for the American rebels, I guess. Our, our sure establishment is not on the side of freedom in Cuba. Because there, there are two, you know, there are two groups of people in our establishment. The people who want, and with the vast majority are the people who want stasis. And then the small minority who are the communist activists installed by Clinton and Obama and, and, and Hillary and, and uh, now Biden. Um, and they don't want Cuba to become free because obviously they're communists. But, you know, stasis is the thing that our establishment wants the most. And uh, so no. I, I think let me say a couple of things. I, first of all, I, I disagree, Ed, that we couldn't do anything if we wanted. I think that we could do we could do to the Cuban government what we did to Saddam Hussein pretty easily. I think more easily than than what we did to Saddam. 
But I think we need to learn the lesson of, of what we did by creating the power vacuum that we did there and by not letting the people themselves overthrow the, the evil despot. Uh, what you said it very well shortly thereafter when you said what's really needed is for the Cuban people to viciously come after the communists and to root them out themselves, Yeah, um, which reflects what I was saying a few minutes ago about freedom is never a welfare program. We cannot spread it by, by welfare, no matter how well-intentioned and pure our motives may be. The people have to rise up themselves and fight for their own freedom and, you know, give, give these communists helicopter rides or whatever else they need to do to uproot them. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at what happened to Ceausescu in, in Romania, that's what needs to happen in Cuba. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't remember, he was the communist dictator that wound up hanging from, from a tree. And uh, they, they rooted him out. And, and Eastern Europe has had a good, you know, a good history since 1989 of cleansing themselves of communism and getting rid of the despots. And they didn't have you know, anybody to help them. They got rid of them themselves. And I think they value their freedom in a way that the Iraqis, for instance, don't. Um, so I, I, think, I think we should be giving a lot of moral support. I think we should be speaking uh, loudly and clearly about the free movement in Cuba and, and maybe even covertly sending them some arms. Uh, but I think that we should remind the Cuban people freedom is something that everybody has to fight for. Uh, you know, Bush said that freedom is something that everybody deserves and that everybody wants and yearns for and is entitled to. Um, I don't think any of that's true. I don't think everybody yearns for it. And I don't think anybody is even entitled to it. I think that people have to fight for their own freedom. And, and frankly, that's one of the things that, that American culture is in the process of losing. You know, our founders said that, you know, we need to you know, have eternal vigilance and, and a little revolution is a good thing. Uh, we need to be prepared to fight for our liberty and our freedom every single day. Uh, the Cuban people do too. Uh, everybody else does. And, and that doesn't mean we can't offer, you know, moral and emotional support, but uh, to send in the U.S. Army, I, I disagree with Ed that we couldn't achieve a victory or at least a military victory, but I don't think that we could achieve the political victory that would be necessary. The people have to be the ones who overthrow their, their despotic government. And that's how you install a free government afterwards. They have to earn it themselves. That was beautifully said. Um, that being said, what if it's true, and maybe it's true that they're, you know, killing children or threatening to kill, kill people's children as a mechanism to prevent them from engaging I mean, that, those are some really big things. I'm just putting myself in that position on this island. Okay, um, well, so I, if I were president, Jody, here's what I, I mean, this is just off the cuff. I haven't run this past my, my national security advisor or, or you know, Ed Powell um, <laughs> or Stephen or anybody else here. But, uh, you know, what I would say is uh, we're hearing disturbing reports about that and we will hold the Cuban government responsible for that. If they do not free their people and respond to the people's call for freedom, we will reimpose sanctions. We will reimpose an embargo. Uh, but if the Cuban people are given the freedom that they are fighting for and, and if they succeed, we will have full uh, economic relations with them. We will welcome trade with them. 
you know, and I, you know, you can give the, that kind of signal that we will punish the Cuban government if they do these things, and we will reward the Cuban people if they fight, and that's going to give the Cuban people reason to fight on. Okay, I love it. I'm on board. Sign me up. Yeah, moral support. I, you know, there's this phenomenon called social proof, right? Which is the the essence of the story of the uh, emperor's new clothes, right? Um, you you really only need one person to stand up and do the right thing sometimes before everyone else did. There was an interesting uh, video that went viral the other day about a, um, uh, a uh, ride at a carnival that was, you know, one of those spinny, spinny rides that was tipping over backwards. And uh, everybody was standing around filming it with their phones, of course, because they wanted to get on video. And one guy ran up to the ride and grabbed a hold of it and sort of leaned back trying to put his weight. Now his weight didn't do anything, but as soon as he did that, a bunch of other guys ran and then a bunch of other guys ran. And then the whole ride was filled with people who were all using their weight to try and keep this from tipping over. And of course they did keep it from tipping over and my hat's off to all of them, but it was the first guy. It was the guy to stand up and say, I can do, we can, we, I can do something about this. We can do something about this. And, uh, and you know, stop looking at his phone or trying to film it and, and actually going and doing it that, that really changed the balance in that. And I think a lot of the times you need this sort of social proof. You need to say, you're allowed to say that communism is bad. That's one of the things that uh, Trump did when he went to the United Nations. Um, U.S. will never be a socialist country. I mean, that, that, that was, you know, for all his faults and they are legion, just, you know, going up and, and saying, saying some of these things, or I'm proudly a nationalist, you know, things like that, I think um, are important. And, you know, basically to say the Cuban government is evil and there are a bunch of evil communists who murder people and they should be overthrown by the Cuban people and replaced by a free country uh, you know, our government definitely should say that. Our government doesn't believe that, but our government should say that. Now, Ed, I believe, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I believe, there, I believe there's some studies out there that it's not the first person that people follow, that it's actually the second, which is kind of fascinating. When yeah, the first guy gets up, everybody's still looking at their watches. Second guy goes, that's what brings everybody to move. I, I guess I can use this as a segue to another story because... Apparently, we've been informed by the powers that be that we're in worse shape than during our own civil war. So maybe we need to take care of our own house first. And I believe, as uh, BCP calls him, the former vice president said the other day that our insurrection on January 6th was worse than the civil war. Is that a pretty <laughs> accurate quote? Uh, I have it right here. Bullies and merchants of fear and peddlers of lies are threatening the very foundation of our country. We are facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War, and that's not hyperbole. Since the Civil <laughs> War, the Confederates back then never breached the Capitol as insurrectionists did on January 6th. I think Biden's going to ask Cuba for help. <laughs> no, but, you know, I, 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 the reason I, 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 I have that in writing is because I really can't believe these words because... These are the same people who were pointing their finger at people on the right, Donald J. Trump, uh, who calling for violence, inciting, this is inciting violence. You say these horrible things about 
tens of millions of Americans, you use these incredible, incredible language against them. And you don't think that not only is that going to impede your previous talks of unity, um, but that it really, it's, it's going to go to a very bad place when you give labels to good people that are so dark and horrifying and untrue. I mean, let's just say the Confederates, also known as the Democrats, right? And I mean, these are the people, they lie, they incite violence, uh, they fear monger and bully and threaten. But, you know, I and mean, we've already been down there before. They say whatever they're saying, others are doing, it's really what they're doing. And it's they're the biggest threats to uh, violence, Jody. It's, you know, I've said this to you guys many times on this show that, uh, whatever they accuse, it's yeah. really a confession. Yeah. And this is such pro projection. Yeah. He's right in one sense. We are facing the greatest threat to our democracy yes, since the Civil War. And that threat is the Democrat Party's insistence on institutionalizing cheating in elections. Their resistance to any kind of voter integrity legislation in, in red states and it is shameful that Republicans are not willing to beat the drum on this. The Democrats are fighting for the right to cheat. Mm -hmm. I would, if I were a Republican, I would demand that they, that Democrats produce somebody who is prevented from registering to vote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, relatedly, we, we have this week, the, the, the president and, and his press secretary lackey telling us that they're gonna go door to door seeing who's who's got the vi who's, who's taking the vaccine well why the hell can't they go door to door registering people to vote i mean if, if voter registration is such a problem why aren't they going door to door and making sure everybody is registered to vote nope and where is any republican pointing that out this is this is outrageous and it is the greatest threat to our democracy since the Civil War. And, and I would say even worse of a threat than the Civil War, because without free elections, we've got nothing. We've got a party that is intent on subjugating ourselves, our, the people, worse than King George III ever did, worse than any other dictator that we've ever faced has, has been willing to do. And, and they, are, they are trying to fight. They, they're not only fighting for the right to cheat, but they're accusing anybody who opposes them of being racists and, and, mm -hmm. and bigots and, and opposed to free elections when it's exactly the opposite. They're the no, ones. Ed, who, I heard somebody that was a guest on Steve Bannon's podcast. I believe this must have been yesterday. I listened to it this morning, who said what I believe you've said in the past, that one of the reasons the Republicans are not fighting this is because they gained from it. And that's so sad but nobody really wants to look into election fraud because everybody's in on it. And that came from a, you know, a guy on the Republican side of the aisle. And heaven forbid that's true, but it's more likely than not, I would assume. I firmly believe that. That's the only explanation I have for why someone like Kemp in Georgia, for instance, won't investigate fraud. I mean, it's well known in conservative circles and libertarian circles that primaries wind up being rigged against us by, by the establishment Republicans. And I have little doubt in my mind that the establishment Republicans aren't doing the same exact thing that the Democrats have done. And they don't want that exposed. And that explains why they are so uninterested in any kind of forensic audits of the 2020 election. 
You know, we never complain on the show that I can remember that we have people sitting in jail since January, possibly in solitary confinement. And where is the uproar as we're emptying out prisons of convicts all over? I don't know that we've ever really discussed this. Well, well, you know, it would be huge national discussion if the people being held were on the political left. If they were Antifa or a BLM, 100%. I just, I wonder where is the outrage that these people are seemingly being held um, in not very uh, comfortable surroundings and they're not even being charged with half of the things they were accusing them of. Right, I mean, even if they were being held comfortably, I mean, how dare these people, these, these Democrats, empty the jails of violent criminals and keep these people who, are, who at most are accused of misdemeanor trespass. Do we know them- who these people are? Sorry, like, do you know, how do we access their stories? I mean, somebody's got a reporting on it somewhere, right? We have to have access to what's happening or no. Like, I, I wanna know who if these people are. they haven't been charged, I don't know where that paper would be. I mean, we'd have access to the charging documents, but- so how do we know who they are, bail, how many there are? I, I just, I want to give voice to them and I don't know, somehow alert, somehow. Who, where, how? Well, maybe the dam will break. I mean, I saw a story in the last 24 hours that uh, somebody has uncovered the name of the police, Capitol Police officer who allegedly shot Ashley Babbitt. Yeah, that's um, been out there for a little while. It keeps leaking out a, a drip at a time. But yeah, they have the name and Apparently he's been involved in some other stuff also in the past. But again, the people being held, like Jody said, how many and who are they? Do we have access to that? And Ed, you're saying they haven't even been charged? I don't believe they've been charged. Whatever happened to that habeas corpus business? I don't know why they don't have a lawyer filing a habeas corpus motion. I don't know. Maybe they don't have access to lawyers. I don't know. Is this really, again, I, crazy. You know, I said a few weeks ago, I really don't want to think of us as being no better than, but this is pretty sad stuff. These what are I've political read, prisoners. What I've read is that they have, um, you know, court appointed lawyers uh, because of the A, financial burden and B, the fact that no lawyer will take their case. No and I think you may be nailing it, Ed, and that's pretty scary too. Because they're afraid of being canceled. Uh, canceled. How about being uh, suspended their law license like Giuliani? And I think they're attacking another one now. I can't yeah. remember who. Yeah. I mean, lose their law license might be a little bit hard, but just being fired from whatever law firm they work for. Right. I mean, that's the problem. No, no one except the libertarian seems to have any sympathy for these people who are being persecuted. Um, you know, if they, I haven't heard any libertarian say anything. If I, uh, yeah. I mean, if they, they trespass on the Capitol, absolutely. It's, Violation of law, $250 fine. You know, I mean, it's crazy. But I think you may be right that lawyers don't want to get involved. And and by the way, you know, we have one lawyer on the show. I said it a few weeks ago with the Giuliani thing. This is really scary, canceling professionals out of their profession. And, you know, we'll bring up the ivermectin story maybe in a few minutes. But we're taking professionals who worked their whole lives to get a certain license and they're literally in fear of losing their license and livelihood. Well, and they won't know, stand up for what they believe. Steve, you, you mentioned earlier, you grew up sticks and stones. I grew up sticks and stones. We're not sticks and stones anymore. I mean, it's not really words. This is people 
you know, this isn't just about, I, I, I'm going to stand up to people's words. This is people losing jobs and being threatened in so lot. many ways. But it's interesting because I remember back when I was much more conservative law and order type, and I was not in love with the ACLU type lawyers who said, it doesn't matter. We will defend anybody for any crime and everybody deserves the best defense and better 50 people go free than one gets convicted, you know, wrongly, et cetera, et cetera. And yet you don't see any ACLU lawyers running to protect these people. It really, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and they're stuck in jail now for months. And where's the outcry? Well, you, you read the article. This was, um, I think it was last year or maybe it was this year where the ACLU said uh, they are no longer going to take cases that don't involve, and I'm paraphrasing, um, you know, minority issues. So they're they're not going to. Well, they more. won't take any white. Yeah, I'm not going to take or... any white people anymore. Now, so we all remember back in the '70s, or was it the late '70s or early '80s? The um, ACLU defended the Nazis marching through Skokie. Okay, yep. And you know, I you know I'm all for free speech, but I'm not in favor of. You know, I, I'm a fit in favor of local control over the streets. Put it that way. You know, so. Uh, but um, yeah, they defended them, and uh, which is funny because the ACLU are mostly Jewish, um, but they they are not that group anymore at all. And the people who, even the most ardent people in ACLU who were in favor of free speech because they were they were liberals of that era, like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, she was she was a bad judge, um, but she believed in free speech at least. And so it's, uh, they're dying out and they just don't exist anymore. Not on the left, they're all on the right today. Yeah, so but I wonder whether the people on the right are just as uh, dishonest as the people on the left were. I mean, we're not dishonest, but you get the idea. Uh, people who are out of power always love free speech. It's the people who are in power who hate it, right? So when the right was in power, they, <coughs> they didn't like it and they wanted to, you know, censor all sorts of things, mostly for, uh, you know, obscenity. And, uh, and now so the Jody, people... Jody, I think for homework, um, you on your own or with somebody else should do a little research and try to find out who are these people and how yeah. they're charged and what they're being charged with, because it really is unreal. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to the fight to free Soviet Jewry. And they were these, you know, nameless political prisoners in the Russian gulag. And there were big demonstrations. And now we have political prisoners in Washington, D.C., and we probably know just as little about them as we knew about the Soviet prisoners, and nobody's making noise. And I hope I'm wrong. Actually, the, there is one person in the world who is, uh, is talking about these political prisoners, the, uh, the new troll-in-chief of the world, uh, Vladimir Putin. Oh, good <laughs> for him. He commented about this. He really did. It's so good. funny. He's taken over Trump's role as troll in chief for the for the earth. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the whole New Hampshire six business. Do you remember them? Uh, so back in March, there was a tremendous raid of a whole bunch of different houses and businesses in the area of Keene, New Hampshire. I mean, they came with a bearcat. They came, the FBI, I think, 
ATF, IRS, a whole bunch of feds broke down the door at six o'clock in the morning. Um, oh, yeah. People got out of their bed with no clothes on. They were handcuffed. Several of them were jailed for weeks. I believe there's only one left in jail now, three months, four months later. And that was basically over Bitcoin and supposed money laundering charges. Now, I don't know the details of the case, but I know that many people felt it was the same type of a political thing. It wasn't, you know, you did something wrong. We're going to get an arrest warrant. You're going to surrender yourself to us. You're going to go out on bail and fight the charges. This was literally, we're going to smash your house down and lock you up for as long as we get away with it. And like I say, one of them's still in jail. And again, do, do we have political prisoners? Now, I guess one of the first political prisoners I can remember was that guy who uh, caused, um, oh, come on, a place in Libya. The guy who was responsible for the uprising in Libya that killed our ambassador. Oh, uh, the filmmaker. Yeah, why am I blocking the name of the city? Benghazi. Benghazi, right. So yeah. that guy who was directly responsible, you know, a filmmaker who got on the phone and asked them to please go into the embassy and kill people. So he was like one of the first people who was like literally a political prisoner. Like, what did that guy do to go to jail for a year? But they railroaded him. And who knows whatever happened to him. Maybe he'll uh, get, what was it? It was the guy who uh, killed himself, shooting himself in the back of his head in Rock Creek Park. Foster, Vince Foster. And there was another guy also besides Foster. Maybe not in Rock Creek, in a different park. There was another one of Clinton's friends who I believe killed himself. So there were dozens. <laughs> killed himself with multiple gunshot wounds, usually. Yeah, there's, well, yeah, there's, there's too many people who uh, have been associated with the Clintons, but we'll leave that. I want to move over to COVID just for a few seconds because, first of all, there's another great article out there. You guys probably saw it. Another article saying ivermectin is very, very good against this. And I know we've had fights on and off air about, is there something that can really do something about COVID besides the vaccinations, et cetera. I know some of our people have gotten pretty hot and heavy about what can cure COVID or not, but there's definitely reliable meta studies out there saying that we have drugs that can beat it. Um, and then we have Sibelius, who was, I think, when Health and Human oh, Services God. Secretary. I remember her. Who wrote, unvaccinated Americans should not be allowed to work or have access to children. God. <laughs> and again, that was translated from the original Mandarin. Yeah. What's going on, folks? The mask is coming down. That's what's going on. <laughs> They're revealing who they really are. I, I, I don't think people are getting it still. I mean... <sighs> Again, I, this is an I think people are getting calling. it, Jody. Are I think you? people are so stunned by what's going on. I that hope they, that's, they, I don't know. They don't know I, what to do. I mean, the, the proper response is a, is a revolution. And people I on our still, side don't really want to have a revolution. I still think there are far too many people who hear a statement like that and think, oh, yeah, God, yeah, it's for their own good. It's for everybody. Or, like, I don't they know say, that people are understanding this is... Jody, the, the other thing they do is they'll put up an article where Republicans pounce on Sibelius statement and they'll flip it that way. I have a question for those of us who still use Amazon. I haven't looked lately, but can you buy tar and feathers on Amazon? 
<laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm an inveterate, um, I'm an inveterate buyer of band things, right? I, I have this, I'm, I'm wearing a band shirt. It's the National Security Agency uh, peeping while you're sleeping. The NSA, the only part of government that actually listens. The, oh my God, I love that. The, yeah, well, that. This shirt was put up and uh, the, the NSA, I told them that it violated their trademark and to take it down. You know, it was one of these t-shirt making sites and the company complied. And of course the government can't hold trademarks. So that's just a plain lie. So the guy took it to another site and I immediately bought it before um, uh, before they could take it down from that site. So I, I have my NSA t-shirt, but I, I do think that the government has gotten into people's minds that this COVID thing is some sort of cancer or, you know, um, Ebola or something like that. And the scary, this, the scare tactics with the Delta variant, which was called the Indian variant before that was racist. Um, you know, that, you know, cause it's much more transmissible. That seems to be true. And you know what its symptoms are? The Delta variant, stuffy nose, cough, <laughs> occasional watery eyes. In other words, the cold. The Delta variant's symptoms yeah. are the cold. Uh, look, uh, fear fear is still, uh, you know, a very motivating factor. And people life. are so afraid. Well, and people remain doesn't... afraid no matter what the facts are before them. Well, I I'm mean... gonna... <laughs> I'll repeat Joe Biden. Bullies and merchants of fear and peddlers of lies are threatening the very foundation of our country. Yes, you are, Joe. You well, and whoever's writing are doing exactly that. You are that. Bullies Look, and merchants of fear and peddlers of lies. I don't know if people who are lack who who don't who, who aren't vaccinated are the ones who are fearful, though. I mean, that's the paradox, right? The people who are fearful right. are the ones who have allegedly nothing to be afraid of. If, yeah. the, if the vaccine works, they should be, you know, dancing a jig right. and laughing at us. Or I mean, laughing at people like me, I haven't gotten a jab and I don't want to get a jab and they should be, they should laugh at me. But instead they're showing that it's not about health. It's It's about about coercion and force. And because if it were just about health, then they would let me die off if that's what it's right. So that all you healthy people could then be fine. And, and all these, you know, Neanderthals who didn't want the vaccine would just die off, but that's that's not what it is. They they don't want us to die off. They want to kill us, and that's really right. what's, what's and going we, on here. We talk about their inconsistencies, and it used to be my body, my choice, but apparently no longer. Now it's we're going to force you, and we're going to come with Ed's proverbial government gun uh, and make you do it. Apparently, that's what uh, Doctor Fauci wants. Well, Mike, um, where where is some Republican? who is pro-life to get in their face about that. I mean, again, a perfect issue for Republicans to make their case and create a counter narrative. I mean, if the issue is my body, my choice, well, then no vaccine, no forced vaccines. And if it's if that's no longer the, the standard for, for law on the land, then abortion restrictions are totally okay. And some Republican 
with with at least half a brain should be able to make that argument. Yeah, the Republicans have to, you know, um, basically adopt the tactics of the left. And, and I don't, I think they have this idea that they don't have to, like they can win just by, just by saying, you know, that's wrong and he's a hypocrite and things. It's like, no, you've got to be rules for radicals. We're radicals. They, they adopt those rules for radicals whenever they're fighting a conservative in a primary. Yeah. All the time. So yeah. they're not afraid of using those tactics. Wait, they're just the trying to cow they're cowards who are hiding the fact that they actually agree with the left. I don't that's, think they're not cowards. cowards. They it's agree. Right. I they agree with cowardice. It's, it's not cowardice. Right. So, they're, they're liars. So I want to go back. I've said this so many times because it's it's what I've believed for over 10 years. Our, our solutions aren't political. They're not with the politicians. They're with the minds of the American people and winning those over. And clearly Republicans are never going to effectively win over the minds of the American people. Once you win the minds of the American people, then you win the elections. But Republicans clearly aren't going to get it done. And so what did the left do? They knew this a long time ago, decades ago. We talked about it a little bit earlier. How did we get here? Because the left understood you have to take over the cultural workings of the nation first, and then you win the political battle. And it seems to me we're so far behind we don't have access to the American mind now. We're locked out in our education systems. We're locked out in our media. They're squeezing us out in the social media internet world. They're gonna be squeezing us out from the economic world and the ability to speak and, and, and engage and win over the minds of the American people. Jody, I, I think that we're at a point where I'm not sure elections are gonna solve the problem. And I, I think don't that's think really are. the paralysis on the right. I think a lot of people are starting to realize that we really are at 1775 right now. Um, and the problem is we haven't had 1765 to 1775 to lay the foundation. That's what a healthy Republican party would have done. We don't have our John Adams today who's, who's writing pamphlets and we don't have our Thomas Paine. Uh, but, but bottom line is we're really, if we're not past the point where we're very close to the point where elections are not gonna solve this problem and I think that a lot of people on our side are very reluctant to, to accept what that conclusion, you know, what that means. That means we're going to have to have a revolution and, and it's going to be violent. And, you know, it doesn't, you know, we talked about Cuba earlier in the show. We're going to need a little Cuba here in America to, to free ourselves of, of this tyranny. Ed, I, and, I don't and even I think know. A lot of people are afraid of that. So here, here's a problem with that theory that I, I see and I think, you know, again, the left has really, be, really been good. They've been at this for decades. And so even the mechanisms to engage in that physical war, they control when they are going to be able to control uh, the machinery of the war, weapons, uh, bullets, things that, you know, I'm just saying, I don't even like to go down that thought process, but I'm just saying, considering physically engaging in war, we don't even hold the control scenario, have the ability to manage that on our side at all that I can see. They can, in really quickly fell swoops, deny us access to things for us to even have a quality engagement in that battle. I mean, they could shut down our, our uh, select, selectively shut down our heat in the middle of 
winner. They can selectively get us locked out of our banks. They can selectively get us barred from engaging in commerce or fired from our job. They, 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 they can selectively turn a blind eye to us getting physically harassed in our own homes. You know, I don't, look, I'm saying, Cuba, I don't even see us having a mechanism of engaging in that anymore. Listen, look, in Cuba, they have total gun control. People don't have weapons and yet they're figuring out a way to rebel. And I think that that's that that we need to be a little more resourceful. Um, yes, I the, wish the left we is in control of, of the government. Um, the left can can do some really awful things, but you know, are the Cuban are, is the Cuban government ready to just mow down all the people that are protesting? Are they ready to to institute the level of tyranny and brutality that's going to be necessary to quell the rebellion? You know, China did in 1989 with Tiananmen Square. Um, is the left in America ready to do concentration camps and, and just mass kill American citizens? There are some who clearly are. I mean, we just talked about the political prisoners that are being held from this January 6th riot, uh, but I'm not sure that they, that they have the stomach to do it. I'm not sure that, they'll, that, that they would be willing to do it if our side had the fortitude to be willing to fight. So I see, you know, already in one year, I, 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 it's just, it's just a feeling that I have in listening to people. I feel they're already making headway in sort of capturing what would be maybe moderately minded people in a way that keeps moving the ball to those moderately minded people being okay with atrocities happening against people on the right because they're buying, I think the, the left, the Democrats, they're very good at selling fear and getting people so emotionally worked up that they're willing to and give it another year. And I think it's gonna be worse where yes, people will be like, well, it's not, you know, you should be in a concentration camp. I think you're gonna come out better and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna protect society from your evil, you know, not being vaccinated and we can't have that in society. And when you grow up, I think they're already molding those minds and we don't have adequate access to impede that molding of minds. And I'm sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent. My my sense is sort of the opposite though. I I think that as far as we have a free election next, you know, this year and next year, I think the left is losing the political battle in a big way. Right. I hope you're right. It's just a question of, I mean, just look at all these school board fights that are getting publicity. I mean, people are figuring out that that what's going on is destroying the country and destroying their children and destroying their livelihoods. And people are starting to fight back. It's just, it's true that many normies, it's true. I live in Illinois. So maybe my blinders are skewed. It's certainly true that many normies are going along with all of this nonsense, but it's also true that the, uh, the red pill supply has gone up dramatically in the last year and a half. And more and more people are seeing through the media lies, the government lies, the government uh, attempts to uh, destroy their businesses um, in favor of of, um, large crony businesses. Um, This is having an effect. And I've seen it with some of my acquaintances who were more moderate um, and uh, are now uh, much less so, you know, and, and more, towards our side of the uh, 
spectrum. I, I've seen, you know, now I've seen some liberal friends of mine who are just as crazy now as they were last year. It's like, uh, you know, Fauci's a god. Um, and uh, I don't know what to say about them. They're not paying attention to anything other than the New York Times. But Jody was not talking about the, the lefties. She was talking about the, the people in the middle, the moderates, people who are undecided. The normals. Uh, the potential for I don't think I don't think the left is winning those normals over. I think I hope not. You know, if there are for every ten of those people, I think that they're losing nine out of those ten. Oh God, I hope you're right. With the trans yeah. fad and the critical race theory uh, fad, the anti-white racism everywhere, um, I think they are losing the, the soccer moms of the world, um, indoctrinating kids. My in area. Indoctrinating I mean, I kids. Keeping kids out of school and then when they're in school teaching them nonsense, I mean that that's gotta hurt. The parents and objecting to any kind of monitoring, you know, any kind of cameras in the classroom too. Yeah. Like someone said this week that uh forget police wearing cameras. We have teachers wearing cameras <laughs> um every day. So I mean, I think James O'Keefe has something where he's you know, offering kids money to record their or uh, record their teachers saying something crazy and, and give them the and give them the uh, video. Um, so maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see some more teachers uh, saying crazy things. I I posted one uh, I posted one thing to the chat, one of the chats anyway. Maybe not this chat. Um, some crazy teacher said talking about white privilege. Okay, folks, I want to start wrapping up. So I'm going to give everybody a chance to talk about what we didn't talk about. All right, well, I, I, I can start because I, I want to talk about a report put out by uh, uh, some retired uh, general and admiral about how bad the United States uh, surface fleet is these days. And uh, he basically, uh, the report basically said it's, it's 20 pages long. And I'm paraphrasing, it was summarized in the Daily Mail yesterday, so you can just type in Daily Mail Navy and you'll get it. That um, the sailors are up to speed on their diversity training, but they don't know how to fight. And um, I think that uh, this is, you know, this is going to cause a problem if the Navy gets into a fight with China over Taiwan or something. And I think that if we do lose badly, which is, you know, I mean, according to that report, that's what's going to happen. We're going to lose badly. Um, you know, that sort of loss, while tragic for all of the tens of thousands of American sailors who are going to die, um, may just topple this regime. And I don't mean violently, I mean with disgust that people, you know, throw these crazy people out. So we'll see. But how how is it going to come to pass that the Biden administration is going to go to war with China? I, I just I don't see that happening under any idiots. circumstance. Because that's how we get into all these wars. Because we're idiots. I mean, yeah, how but the Biden administration is bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. I, I just don't see them fighting. I think even if China does the most provocative thing, like invade Taiwan, I think that the Biden administration is just going to back off. 
And they're going to they're going to partner up with people on the right who say, you know, non-interventionism. We have no interest there. It's not our business. We could have a whole show on Taiwan. But I think I I think, um, you know, there is a there is a huge pro-war movement in the United States and, uh, you know, pro-conflict, pro-global empire. And I I think everyone understands that, uh, you know, what exists in Taiwan in their semiconductor industries, their computer parts industries, all that is critical to the survival of the West. And I think there is enough people in the deep state who want to defend Taiwan um, for those reasons and for others that the fact that, uh, you know, Trump was against staying in Afghanistan and he stayed all four years. You just have to understand that the people in the top aren't in charge of our government. And I think we are... in trouble. On, on the flip side, though, Ed, I, I think the Chinese, I've, I've been reading some stories that the Chinese are getting more bellicose about Taiwan. And I think that that's a signal that they know that the Biden administration isn't going to fight. I think if they were afraid that the Biden administration were going to fight, they would want the element of surprise. And the fact that they're willing to be so open and belligerent about their intentions towards Taiwan tells me that they don't think the Biden administration is going to fight. That's my take on it. I, you know, I think they're making the same mistake the Japanese made in 1941, but that's just me. I guess I guess uh, Hunter Biden won't be selling any more art to the Chinese Communist Party then. Well, after that, yes, no. You got to admit, Hillary and Bill are kicking themselves. Why didn't they think of that one? <laughs> selling art, <laughs> having Chelsea uh, go to art school. Yeah, that was that. Should've... I mean, I, I don't think that the I think the Clintons did a pretty good number by creating yeah. a, a a private foundation. To collect money for the sole purpose of buying influence and treating it as a charitable contribution, I, I think they did pretty well for themselves to the tune of a couple this hundred pretty million slick. dollars. This is really pretty slick. Unbelievable to me. Yeah, Mike, anything to say? Oh, well, you know, I, I was thinking about how the Republican Party is feckless and weak, and so uh, the latest out of New, New Jersey I read today. Uh, 11 Republicans got endorsed by the teachers union. Oh, geez. And you sit there and you think about, first of all, how our property taxes in New Jersey are so high um, and the teachers union wants it that way. The teachers union, are they're the ones that made the school schedule, you know, the hybrid schedule in the wake of COVID such a burden for parents, including myself. Um, we could go on. I mean, if you want to draw a distinction from your party to the other, the first thing I do is get up to a podium and say, I reject the damn endorsement. <laughs> I don't want your goddamn endorsement. And instead, 11 Republicans apparently are just going to accept it. So this is part of the problem in New Jersey. And I see this. I feel like it's spreading to, to the congressional Republicans, too. It's not that I ever... I think that they're, they've been good and they have fought. I think we've seen better out of congressional Republicans than I've ever seen out of New Jersey Republicans in the state legislature. But this just speaks to 
part of the problem with the with the party and especially here in New Jersey where they just they they don't they don't distinguish themselves and they don't give voters on the right any any reason to vote for them and we have the governor and the full legislature up this year especially since we've learned that the CDC was colluding with the teachers unions to say that it wasn't safe for kids to go back in school when they knew it was safe to go back in school because the teachers unions didn't want the teachers to go back to school. I mean, the last thing you would want to do is be endorsed by the teachers union after finding that out. Well, they were endorsed by the teachers union for a reason. And that's my number one question. I mean, Clearly, they're doing something to garner that endorsement. And so I'm kind of thinking it wasn't anything um, that brought them to the rational right. Well, this is part of the problem. I think there's several factors. Uh, Yeah, at times there's fecklessness and and weakness. On the other hand, I think there's just self-interest and the desire to preserve one's own seat, one's own power and prestige and ego. And I think that plays into it a lot. And, um, you know, uh, there's at least one member of the legislature a number a few years back who was, you know, rhino-esque, but decided to switch parties and go with the Democrats because she knew that her seat was in jeopardy if she didn't. And to me, that that tells you all you know about how some of these politicians think it's just about their own hide. Great points, Jody. Um, I just wanted to. We we talked earlier. I, I brought up something that Biden said, and it's something actually that I I agree with him with some caveats of who he's speaking to. I have another Biden quote relating to the Cuban people um, that I read of his. He said, "We will stand with the Cuban people and their clarion call for freedom and relief." from the tragic grip of the pandemic and from decades of repression and economic suffering to which they have been subjected to by Cuba's authoritarian regime. I wanna agree and I just wanna switch some wording though and say his same words with my own wording being, my rewording being, I stand with the people of inner city America and their clarion call for freedom and relief from the tragic grip of the pandemic and from decades of repression and economic suffering to which they have been subjected to by the Democrats authoritarian regimes. Now, maybe those people aren't actively calling for freedom and relief. Well, they are, they're just expecting that their oppressors are other than what they really are. But given that, you know, our inner cities, people in our inner cities have been stuck uh, in in decades of poverty and violence and, you know, high cost of living and all of these things that destroy the economic ladder. um, Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And I stand with the people of inner city America and their similar plight, you know, that 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 they be freed from this oppressive authoritarian regimes as soon as they wake up to the fact of who their actual authoritarian regimes are. Jody, I'd love to put that statement up on Liberty Block if you let. Sure. Send it, send it to me, please. I love okay. it. I love it. I will send it. Ed M. 
Well, we, we covered most of the points that I wanted to get to today, but uh, I think I want to I want to go back to something that Ed Powell said in closing, you know, when he talked about the, the lack of readiness of our of our Navy to fight a war. Um, and I want to connect that with the reports that have been coming out about inflation being on the rise. And I think that the, the connection I want to draw is that inflation doesn't happen in, in six months of a Biden administration and lack of military preparedness doesn't happen in six months of a Biden administration. These are things that started under the Trump administration and even Trump needs to take some accountability. Obama, uh, it started how, under Obama. What, what happened? It started under Obama, but Trump yeah, didn't fix correct. it. Correct, but how many times did we hear Obama's, uh, Obama, how many times did we hear Trump say that he rebuilt the military? Well, if he rebuilt the military, then either Biden did one hell of a job destroying it in six months, or he didn't rebuild it quite the way he's implying he did. I mean, that's, uh, and I think that, it's I'm sorry, Ed, that, that's when that one budget deal, he completely caved and capitulated to, to the leftists and the rhinos in Congress because he wanted that damn military money. So if he didn't rebuild it with that money, what the hell did he get out of that? Well, uh, he got stuff, not people. I mean, okay. the, the military but got stuff. Well, the point is, we need to we need to be a little more vigilant, and we need to hold our own leaders accountable as much as we hold Biden accountable. And this crap didn't just start in the last six months. And if we win the elections, and you know, if we win the midterms, and if we win the presidency, and if we get some red state governors and red state local officials, the bottom line is we we can't rest on our laurels. We can't just assume that Republicans are going to do the right thing because more often than not, they don't. And we're going to need to, to really hold our own people to the fire. And we need to recognize that there is no salutary neglect when it comes to, to Republican leaders. Um, even the best ones seem to have problems. I mean, you know, I'm thinking right now of, of guys like Matt Gates, who I love slash loved, who all of a sudden has gone almost radio silent since the accusations of him having an affair with a 17 year old girl were made public. Um, he, he initially came out firing uh, and, and, and attacked back, but you know, he hasn't really said or done anything since then. And, and I understand he's just a member of Congress and he doesn't have executive authority. Uh, and my, my larger point is, is, is these issues like inflation and military preparedness, which really are more uh, powers vested in the executive branch than in the legislative branch. But um, Regardless, we, we have to recognize that uh, as much as the Democrats are, are uh, destroying the country, in a lot of instances, the Republicans are throwing gasoline on the fire trying to fight it. And we need to we need to recognize that and we need to insist that Republicans do better going forward. It's not enough to just elect Republicans and go back to sleep and hope that four years from now or two years from now or whatever, things are going to be better because uh, they won't be. And we, we need, you know, we're on the wrong track and it's going to take a lot of work to turn the train around. That's my closing thought. I definitely agree with you on the part about responsibility of the voters to not go to sleep after they think they won an election. That's definitely been one of our hard-won states, so. It's what happened after 2010 and 2014 and even 2016. Yep, I, I totally agree with that one. 
All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up for today. We'll be up as a podcast um, as soon as possible, hopefully within the hour. Again, please send feedback to ejsshow at protonmail.com. Wish everyone a wonderful evening, and we will see you back next week, 4 o'clock on Wednesday. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks, everyone.